Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and I'm excited to announce that this is our 100th episode. And today I'd like to welcome a very special guest, Trammell Crow, to the show. Trammell S. Crow is the president of the Crow Family Foundation, which operates and manages the Trammell and Margaret Crow collection of Asian art, as well as the Trammell Crow European Sculpture Garden. Mr. Crow is also a founder of Texas Business for Clean Air, an organization of prominent business leaders throughout Texas who are committed to matters that affect air quality in the state. As the founder of EarthX, formerly known as Earth Day Texas, Mr. Crow has created the largest annual exposition and forum showcasing the latest initiatives, discoveries, research, innovations, policies, and corporate practices serving to reshape a more sustainable future. Trammell, how are you doing today? In the inimitable words of Tony the Tiger, great! (laughs) I love the enthusiasm and energy. I love it. Trammell, i like to start the show off by asking, if you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Oh, boy. What would be interesting about me? I'm not one of those people who thinks I'm not interesting. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, I, I would say that... I'm an introvert by nature and an extrovert by necessity. I'm an ambivert. (laughs) I love the term ambivert. I consider myself that too. I've been tested several times. I'm INTJ all the way, but when needed, have to be, you know, outgoing. And so I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I've met you a couple of times, uh, most recently at the half year event at Love Field Airport. I think it was October. And you were doing a very, very good job of being an extrovert at that time. <laughs> By necessity. <laughs> so Trammell, founder of EarthX, for those that haven't heard of EarthX, can you give an overview of what EarthX is? Yeah, uh, we have just uh, uh, pivoted to go online. So uh, that's a, a separate answer. But EarthX started as Earth Day Dallas and then became Earth Day Texas. And then we decided the name actually did make a difference. So uh, because our audience uh, and participants were national, uh, Earth X, we found our very first year 10 years ago when we had 200 uh, NGOs of environmental work and corporations, the city of Dallas was there telling people how to recycle, that at the end of it, when we had uh, 38,000 people and 200 different exhibitors, we found that that was the largest Earth Day in the world. So people don't realize this. Uh, Earth Day, in a sense, is a myth. When it began in 1970, it was extremely important. It, uh, it created a, a culture. It set off legislation and eventually, you know, created industries. But Earth Day celebrations, if you will, are small 
community affairs now. So uh, we're, uh, and there are very few exceptions. We would have had 200,000 people this year, finally, uh, uh, which is something like 20 times larger than anything else. There's not a big, meaningful uh, awareness-raising event in Tokyo or Berlin. It just doesn't happen. So uh, we are, I'll throw out numbers, about 700 exhibitors, about 500 speakers, about 15 conferences, which is really unique, a hackathon, uh, the, the the growingest, most dynamic uh, environmental film festival in the world, uh, and on and on, in Dallas, Texas. So we had to build a strong foundation. We had to appeal to all points of view. So I would say that all of that's different, but also different from really any conferences that I've been to, is that we try our hardest to have different opinions, uh, friendly debates and Republicans and Democrats on the same stage at the same time. And that's, that's pretty rare nowadays. So the first time I heard about EarthX, I think it was 2016. I was actually a mentor at one of the events. There was a hackathon event taking place mm-hmm. and there was a team from UTD and I was asked to come in and mentor a team from UTD regarding the hackathon. And then last year we attended the eCapital summit which was at the beginning of EarthX. Can you speak briefly about the eCapital Summit? Yeah, um, we uh, again we we created ourselves. Uh, there are some number of these connection sessions around America. Uh, uh, I'm not familiar with them all. Clean tech is a, a general term that you all use as well. Uh, there are some uh, incubators and uh, connection sessions for ag tech and property tech and so forth. But we've taken a general approach where uh, earlier late stage companies, uh, mainly uh, vetted by the Austin Technology Incubator, come here uh, the day or so of conference of, of speakers, top flight speakers, and then this connection session, which we call office hours. The, uh, we just had the fourth eCapital Summit online, and it went surprisingly well with about 90 startups and 90 uh, venture capital groups and family offices. Uh, but three years, three cycles where we have been able to track somewhat what kind of uh, uh, success and uh, successive fundraising stages these groups have had. And I'm really, really proud to say that those companies that got started here have gone on to raise over a million, over a billion dollars. That's pretty amazing. So take us back in time, Trammell. It's 2010. That's the first event. 2011, I believe, is the first event. Yeah, yeah. So 2010, how did the idea come to mind? And it, It was like this. First of all, I had no concept that I'd be sitting here right now working on the same project, just on a different scale. <laughs> uh, all my life, I have believed that em- environmental issues were the most important in the world. When something's extinct, it's, it stays extinct. 
when parts per million are in the atmosphere, they stay for a long, long time. And uh, it's, it's just like some business guy saying, you know, we've, this this nation is so overloaded with debt, someday it's going to crack, and it never seems to crack. Well, it's going to, uh, but it's like a frog in, in boiling water. Uh, uh, that is what I think is happening now as opposed to 50 years ago when I uh, first started to learn the word environment. Uh, and uh, I finally, finally got involved uh, after I retired on something called Texas Business for Clean Air. It's a group that we, we, we started when TXU was going after 11 coal fire uh, permits for coal fire plants with dirty technology. And uh, there was already opposition to it. A couple of businessmen in Dallas came to me and recruited me. We uh, started this group and recruited 200 people, uh, leading business citizens in their own cities in Texas. And it didn't win the war, but it put an excellent buzz to it uh, and helped. That taught me that even here in Texas, where we're so apathetic and ignorant of environmental things, or, or we have been in the past, uh, that, that something could really happen here. So when that was over, we disbanded, and I knew that henceforth my work would be environmental. And rather than uh, studying my navel for months and months and figuring out what a lifetime strategy would be, I just said, what the hell? April is five months from now. Let's have an Earth Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's obvious you're a man of action, but I want to rewind back to something you said. You mentioned becoming aware of the environment. So the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do. How did you become aware of the environment or what was the introduction that made you think, you know what, this environment is important to us? It, it was a great aha. It was at, when I was 12 years old, but the, the media, and back then that was a Saturday evening post in the Dallas Times-Herald and Channel 8, uh, was covering these, these environmental disasters that had never happened before. Uh, Cuyahoga River catching on fire, uh, rivers and, and lakes dying, uh, uh, pesticides uh, and insecticides contaminating our milk. And it, 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 it ramped up into that rather quickly after World War II. And by the 60s, it was just uh, undeniable. So I guess as a, uh, an impressionable youth, uh, 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 it uh, caught my imagination, so to speak. And when I first learned the word environment, I realized that that was uh, that something that's bigger than us. So fast forward 50 years, you retired, successful real estate career. You said navel gazing. My job as a interviewer is to push a little harder. You could have walked off into the sunset and done a hundred different things. What drew you back into this environment? Well, uh, I had good parents. They taught by example. They were uh, kind and generous people. And uh, realizing my lucky station in life, 
I uh, old-fashioned values. What you get, you give back. And I think that it's not true enough in this world, in America more than other places, but that is the duty of uh, people with fortunate situations. So I'm driven. (laughs) I love the fact that you're driven. You know, earlier you mentioned about the e-capital event going online. I know due to COVID, we couldn't have the EarthX in person this year. What is EarthX doing right now to continue? And perhaps can you give us an idea of what next year might look like? Well, because of the COVID and canceling that enormous event, we pivoted and took about seven of the conferences online. And sitting there watching them, it just it dawned on all of us at EarthX that that was the future, that maybe a bunch of uh, scientists with uh, thick glasses on a long table uh, speaking science-ease might not have been what the, uh, the public would want to hear so much, but our professional audiences were uh, uh, many, and it was also public. I think it was almost 600,000 uh, views, and we just realized that that was the, the role to take. So who knows about the uh, event next April? Uh, if, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bond, there's a relationship with people who come from so far away to this event because they believe in what we're doing in the second year and the third year and so forth. And we really, really miss them. Uh, my house, every now and then my house feels empty. But in the meantime, we'll make that decision before the year's out. But in the meantime, we're going uh, whole hog into what we call EarthX TV uh, website and social media. We'll have more programming than any media source in the world. And that's not that hard to do. Uh, there's some, a few really good uh, media sources out there. But for the most part, uh, the major networks might have a couple of hours a, a, a week of, of decent environmental programming. So there's not a single source for news, uh, not a single source for education, not a single source to set your watch by in the doomsday book of Countdown for Endangered Species. So we're going to provide it. And uh, the reception has been uh, just uh, very encouraging. So am I hearing an EarthX TV news channel? That's correct. EarthX TV. And when is that launching? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, on the 21st of September, uh, Climate Week next week, the first day. And I don't know how many hours of programming, but with our own regular program series that we're starting and with so many other people who have just heard about it and have brought their content, gosh, 50 hours. uh, I don't know. So did I hear you correctly? 600,000 people logged on earlier this year when it went virtual. It was, it was almost 600,000. And I, who uh, know nothing about uh, uh, the digital world and our, our team who had never done it before. Well, uh, there, there's been nothing like this EarthX with as many environmental groups and as many issues uh, 
that, that we've ever known of. I mean, the International Union of Conservation of Nature, is, uh, well, no, when they have an event, it's not like this. So I dare say that we might be in touch with more what we call environmental groups than anyone in the world. A farmer or a hunter or a scientist, and uh, they're usually not connected like that. And as, as you know, the answers have to be uh, synergistic. Absolutely, and serving everyone's interest. Speaking of interest, you know, we were talking briefly offline, and something that I'm very interested in, and I know a lot of my peers will be, is this new E4. Can you speak to the E4 plan or program? Uh, we've had energy uh, conferences before. We've had uh, responsible shale acquisition conferences before at environmental events uh, where some people are surprised and some people are uh, doubtful, but everybody has it rub off on them a little bit. Uh, drilling companies coming in, listening to experts talk about how to frack less bad uh, for a day or two. So uh, yes, we'll have hydrocarbon conference uh, program. We'll have alternative energy, renewable energy, and the grid. And I think, uh, I think that that is a totality. I'm sure it's not the most comprehensive thing in the world, but that's a, a program that will be uh, chock full. And when is E4 launching? Uh, the, the first program would be something like October, uh, October the 19th, the week of October 22. October 22, six months from April 22, is what we call Half Earth Day. <laughs> and everybody's had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and uh, we'll have a wildlife conservation conference, uh, uh, a banquet on the 24th of October, a wildlife conservation conference, excuse me, a uh, conservation conference encompassing wildlife, Africa, farm, ranch, and forest, uh, the 19th to the 21st. Uh, the responsible shale acquisition, I think, on the 19th. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there'll be other things going on. I tell you, man, it's just like nobody's done it before. I, I just finished talking to the International Union of Conservation and Nature, and they're just trying to figure out what to, what to do with us. And we're a clean slate. Well, it sounds amazing. You've come this far, 10 years on your journey. What are some of the most valuable lessons that you'd say you'd learned both about yourself and about EarthX on the way? The first lesson I learned was the end of our first Earth Day in the streets of Dallas. And we were tearing down the booths. And one of these environmental groups came running up to me and said, Trammell, Trammell, you positioned our exhibit right by a corporation. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. We'll make sure that doesn't happen again. He said, Trammell, no, 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 no. We've always wanted to know that multinational corporation, and now we know them quite well. So the divisions between environmental groups and business and, uh, and that on many levels, both sides want to be together. Nowadays, the business is, has wised up a great deal. Uh, so that's, again, something that we really aim at every year. Bring them together. And some of the personal lessons? 
<laughs> well, uh, the lesson, well, yeah, the, 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 the second thing that I learned was somebody said, perfect is the enemy of good. And I said, what? What'd you say? What, <laughs> what are you saying? What does that mean? And uh, 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 what it means in this context is primarily on the side of the environmentalist that they're not content unless a solution is damn near perfect. And that's not how the world works. So oftentimes we find uh, so many types of environmental groups uh, uh, fighting against themselves. And that too, I see changing a lot. That is true. And I, I, I've heard that quite a bit. And, you know, going back to you being a person of action, you know that if you wait till it's perfect, then you'll never take action. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've had to fight that tendency myself because we're doing things we've never done. This Earth TV, uh, you know, this is, this is worldwide. This is our, our name and our reputation is out there. But it's more important to, to get these issues out there quickly. And in this case, to get these issues out there before the election. And while people are still rabidly hungry for uh, 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 knowledge about health and the environment and COVID, uh, who are crazy to know about the forest fires and, and what's happening. So we're, we're, we're uh, going as quickly as we can. And like I say, uh, Monday will be the big day. Uh, the audiences will will have, I'm sure, will have to grow. The programs will grow, and we'll get uh, smarter as we go along. Uh, but well, it's it's, it's chart, uncharted territory. Well, if you ask me, that's what leadership is. Leadership, you know, if you have familiar territory, you don't really need leadership. But leadership is the people, the person, the organizations that people follow to go through uncharted ter territory. So I feel like you and your organization are setting a perfect example of what leadership is. We're lucky to have been here in Dallas without preconceived notions and without the taint of, of, of the, uh, the battles and divisiveness that have gone on. And, and, and you know, part, part of the Texas personality is a little naivete <laughs> and openness, you know, and that's what... Uh, the world needs now. Well, I've, and I'm a transplant to Dallas. I've been here about 30 years now, and I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I just, when people ask me about Dallas, what I tell them is that, to me, Dallas is all about opportunity. That's all it's, I've ever seen here, and that's what I believe Dallas has at its, at, at its core. So, you know, what you said resonates very strongly with me. Well, the, the origins of Dallas are, are good proof of that. We are not on a navigable river. We are not in the fork of a creek. We're not on, in a port or uh, at the foothills of the mountains. There was absolutely no reason for Dallas to happen besides people said it would. That's a beautiful vision, isn't it? Human capital. Absolutely. So we're 10 years in. Let's paint the picture 10 years into the future. It's 2020. What does the future hold for EarthX? Oh, my God. I don't know. Uh, well, I hope we're out of business. Sorry. It, it's 2030. <laughs> How about that? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's 2030. I, I hope we're out of business. I hope that uh, the uh, solutions will be, will be uh, in place and working. They have to be. Uh, maybe we would be 
more like a, a career training and a job placement for the the great opportunities that I think will be the the most uh, the, the the biggest industry of the twenty first century sustainability. Do I hear EarthX University coming down the line? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I haven't let anybody use that term yet because it's too pregnant with possibility. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see it happening. The number of students that reach out to us on our show that are looking for what I'm going to call entry into this clean tech, green tech space because they want meaningful work. They want their careers to mean something. They want to do work that's good for the planet, good for the earth. I think there's a huge opportunity there. Just yesterday, I was speaking to a professor from UTA regarding some of the wonderful work they're doing out there and some of the opportunities going forward to collaborate. So I don't see why there you know, wouldn't be an EarthX University in 10 years. The uh, uh, UTA is a, a great college. Uh, it's a huge student body. Uh, uh, what, what, uh, what division, what college were you talking to? I was speaking to Meghna Tare. She's the sustainability officer for UTA. Oh, I haven't met her. So, Trammell, you shared your parents' notion of giving back. You talked about being synergistic. Specific question for you. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm used to giving advice to my children. <laughs> Uh, imagine for imagine for a moment the audience are your children. Well, I was having a talk with one of my children this week, and if if they could just learn by mistakes, and I'm not saying that I really have done that. Of course, we all know the definition definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, but if if there's one of the most common themes that I hear with really successful people is that that is one of the greatest uh, values to them. And it, it, what it means is that you have to uh, uh, admit a little uh, shortcoming and you have to grit your teeth and be determined that you're going to be disciplined and figure out not how to do that again. And most of us aren't that mindful or moving a little too quickly. So, that's my pearl of wisdom for the day. And I appreciate that. As a man that runs an organization, has a family, how do you encourage or create a, an environment of safety where people feel okay to make mistakes? Well, I, I suppose that you, you really work on the process and, and not the result. Uh, you, you, uh, you have a spirit, an esprit de corps that uh, we're here together and we're a team and... Uh, it's not how many points you earn. It's not uh, the individual winning. That there's there's some unconditional acceptance that uh, underlies any other uh, uh, games we play in the world, you know? I can see that. And in the spirit of team, I'd like to thank the people in your team that helped put this together. Specifically, I'd like to thank uh, Kevin from Ikara. And Kevin. Uh, Y'all need to use, uh, don't call Uber, call Ikara. Trammel, that's the only company that we as a company use is Ikara. Yeah, me too. A and also, um, Steve Evans, who's part of your team, has become a good friend. So um, I appreciate him also. And 
I really appreciate your time today. Is there something else you'd like to share before we go? Uh, no. Uh, well, it, it, and I guess I would, after all, Raj, with this audience, like I was saying at the beginning of the interview, we really uh, want to know what people want this to be. In this case, uh, EarthX E4, what subjects, uh, themes, what should be a hot-headed debate, uh, what should be a, 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 a virtual tour, uh, if, if they would contact us. And I would say that would be chauncey.lufkin at earthx.org for any suggestions about the future programming of EarthX E4. Well, Trammell, I will put Chauncey's information in the show notes. I really enjoyed speaking with you and catching up with you again, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Raj. Come on by sometime, man. Thank you. Before we go, I'm excited to share that we've launched our comic strip, The Adventures of Mira and Nexi. You can find the first issue at our website, nexuspmg.com, under the Original Content tab. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.